0: Ramdam ki jai Madhurdam ki jai Navadhu Maya purdam ki jai Jagannath Puri ki jai Gangamaye Jamuna devi ki jai Bhakti devi ki jai Tosima harani ki jai Samaveete bhaktarami ki jai Gaur premani All glories to the assembled devotees All glorious to the assembled devotees All glories to the assembled devotees All glorious to, to, to Sri Guru and Gauranga All glories to Shri Prabhupada Namo Om Vishnu padaya Krishna prasada tu Srimate bhakti Vinayana Swami Niti Namane. Namaste Sarasvati Deve Gauravani Pacharane. Nivase Sissinivari Vasko Chade Satanya. Vandeham Sri Guru Sri Vita, Parakamalam Sri, Guru Vaishnavamscha. Sri Rupam Sagrujatam sagana Raganatam Vitaam Samsajivam. Sadvoitam Sadvarutam Parichana Saita Krishna Chaitanya Devam. Sri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lavita Sri Vishakam Vitaascha. Punch of Albertrupus Chuck, give us in Om Namo Vasudevaya. Om Namo Vasudevaya. June 5th, 2018 in Radha Desh, Belgium and we're reading from Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 8, Chapter 20 Bali Maharaj Surrenders Universe Text 16 through 19 so 19 is on board Text 16 Translation Sukadeva Goswami continued even after being cursed in this way by his own spiritual master Bali Maharaja being a great personality never deviated from his determination. Therefore, according to custom, he first offered water to Vamande and then offered him the gift of land he had promised. Okay, so what's happened in this verse? What
1: happened?
0: Yeah, what's happened? Uh,
1: the
0: Even though he had been
1: Cursed, cursed, cursed by his right, the, the
0: Sanskrit is So a curse from his own guru. What does it mean
1: to offer water?
0: Uh, it's, it's symbolic of offering the gift. It's, it's like a seal on the gift. Text 17, Bali Maraj's wife, known as Vindavali, who was decorated with a necklace of pearls. Now remember about her because she's going to show up again later in this pastime, just very briefly. And, uh, it, it, some idea of the, the Vedic wife is seen here, not only here, I mean, I think here we're seeing our stereotype of the Vedic wife and a little bit later in the story, we have something that kind of shakes our stereotype of the Vedic wife. So, a well-rounded picture. So do pay attention to her as we go. I don't know if I'll still be here when we get there. Probably not. But uh, pay attention as we go through the story. She shows up one more time. Bali Maharaj's wife, known as Vindavali, who was decorated with a necklace of pearls. Now, those were real pearls. So the pearls you get today are cultured pearls. Right? cultured pearls, they take a piece of plastic and stick it in the oyster and the oyster puts a little covering on it just a little and then they take it out so there's not very many places you can get real pearls uh, in some places in India I know in Calcutta you can still get real pearls and in Bahrain in Bahrain it is against the law to bring cultured pearls into the country so we were we were looking in one pearl shop one of my grandsons and I we were traveling there and one necklace of pearls was half a million US dollars just imagine You're... yes yes for me I shouldn't say that right all the thieves will go to my room no, no. no if he had half a million dollars I would have asked him to spend it on something else but, So Marge's wife, known as Vindogli, actually there's a a story about uh, Cleopatra, that Cleopatra was challenged who could have the more expensive meal and the challenger, I forget who it was, made this very fancy meal and uh, Cleopatra took one of her pearl earrings and crushed it and mixed it with some juice. It was more expensive. Who was decorated with a necklace of pearls immediately came and had a large golden water pot brought there full of water with which to worship the Lord by washing his feet. So what's happened now? Balimaj washed Ramandev's feet and he got cooperation from his wife. She brought a golden water pot. She was decorated with jewels, with pearls, real pearls, and she brought a golden water pot. So what was her attitude towards Bali Mars's action? She was supporting him. She was supporting him. So she didn't, she didn't say, how dare you offend your guru, now your guru's cursed you, I'm leaving you. She was supporting his behavior. Later on she criticizes him, as I said, publicly. She criticizes him. Okay, text 18. Balimaraj, the worshipper of Lord Vamandev, jubilantly washed the Lord's lotus feet and then took the water on his head, for that water delivers the entire universe. Okay, so what's happened in that verse? washed the lotus feet of and put the water
1: on top of his head.
0: Okay, so he's doing something ritualistic. He's washing the lotus feet, putting the water on his head, and what's his mood? Jubilant. He's jubilant. And we have, and he's very happy. Now, normally if your guru curses you, you might not be so happy, but he's, he's very happy. And then we have Vishva Panani. So Panani is the water. Vishva is the universe. So this water liberates the universe. And of course, a little later on in this pastime, what water washes the feet of Vamandev and liberates the universe? Hmm? The Ganges water janita janapavana. janapavana, to purify all the people. So, yes, the toenail of the Lord that pierces through the coverings of the universe. Now, the Ganges wasn't there before; it was outside the universe. Also, it said that when Lama Dave's lotus foot went up to the edge of the universe. That Brahma was washing his foot with his Kamandalu, so it's a mixture of the water from outside the universe and Brahma's uh, Kamandalu. But here we have Bali Mars is getting that water uh, just by washing the Lord's lotus feet. Of course, we do that every day. Yeah. And so every day we're washing the Lord's lotus feet, and taking the water. Okay, text 19, which is on the board. Tadasurendram dividevatāganā Sarendram
1: Tadasurendram divideva tagana,
0: Gantar vidya darasidacharana, Tadasuram vidya
1: darasidacharana,
0: Tadkarmasarve pigrananta arjavam, Tadkarmasarve
1: pigrananta arjavam
0: prasuna varshar mudan vita
1: Please chant.
0: Tada! At that time, Asura Indra Unto the king of the demons, Bali Maharaja, Divi, in the higher planetary system, Devata-ganaha, Devataganaha, the residents known, known as the demigods, Gandharva, the, Gandharva. the Gandharvas, Vijadara, the Vijayadras, Vijyadara, Siddha, Siddha. Siddha, the residents of, of Siddhaloka, Charanaha, Charanaha. the residents of Charanaloka, Tut. That karma, action, sarve api, all of them, rinantaha, declaring arjivam, plain and simple, prasuna varshai, with a shower of flowers, bhavrasuhu released, mura anvitaha, being very pleased with him. Interesting, this word Muja was used both for the pleasure of Bali Maharaj at washing the feet of Vamandev and for the pleasure of the demigods with him. Translation in Purport by Srila Prabhupada. At that time, the residents of the higher planetary system, namely the demigods, the Gantarvas, the Vidyadharas, the Siddhas, and the Charanas, all being very pleased by Bali Maharaj's simple, non duplicitous act praised his qualities and showered upon him millions of flowers. Purport Arjivam, simplicity or freedom from duplicity, is a qualification of a Brahmana and a Vaishnava. A Vaishnava automatically acquires all the qualities of a Brahmana. Yas Yastibhaktir Bhagavatya Kinchana Sarvara Gunashtatra Samasite Saraha, Bhagavatam 5, 1812. A Vaishnava should possess the Brahminical qualities such as Satya, Shama, Dhamma, Tatiksha, and Arjava. There cannot be any duplicity in the character of a Vaishnava. When Bali Maharaja acted with unflinching faith and devotion unto the lotus feet of Lord Vishnu, this was very much appreciated by all the residents of the higher planetary system. Tada Surendram Dividevita Gana, Gandharva Vijadhara charana. At that time, the residents of the higher planetary system, namely the demigods, the Gantarvas, the Vidyaduras, the Siddhas, and the Charanas, all being very pleased by Bani mahar's simple, non-duplicitous act, praised his qualities and showered upon him millions of flowers. So this is very, it's a very strange story. It's a very, very odd story. I mean we're told throughout the Shastra that the most important aspect in achieving perfection is to surrender to a spiritual master. We're told it's necessary. One cannot avoid it. We're told by the pleasure of the Guru, Yasya Prasada, Bhagavat Prasada, Yasya Prasada, Nagati Kitopi, by the pleasure of the Guru one gets the mercy of Krishna. Right? It, it's just everywhere. It's a very deep and integral part of the whole Vedic literature. And it's not only in the Vedic literature, it's in all the great religious traditions of the world. When the Christians, you know, they're quoting, No one comes to the Father but through me, which they take as a st- statement of sectarianism, it's a statement that you can't approach God without going through a guru. It's just it's very simple and it's everywhere. You know, to be a Muslim, you have to say, I accept Allah as God and Muhammad as his prophet. You have to have both, the the saintly person and the Lord. You don't approach the Lord directly. Isn't that right? Everybody, we all agree with that? Is that right? So what's going on here? Bali Maharaj is making an offering to the Lord Against the wishes of his guru, being cursed by his guru for doing so, the Lord is accepting, his wife is accepting, and all the demigods are accepting. Bali is very happy. The demigods are all very happy. Isn't that weird? Anybody think that's weird? You don't think that's weird, huh? I think that's really weird. It's a very strange story. And here it is in the eighth canto of the Bhagavatam. We're pretty advanced here in the Bhagavatam; we wouldn't expect to find such a story. This is not the only story like this in the Bhagavatam. There's other stories in the Bhagavatam of persons who went against the wishes of their guru and got the grace of the Lord. But it's certainly unusual, and it seems to go against what we normally think is the proper protocol. So what is Bali being praised for here? He's being praised here for Arjavam, for his simplicity, which Prabhupada knows is a Brahminical quality. And that's also very odd that we're not going to talk about that today, how Bali Maharaj is ostensibly Kshatriya and yet he's displaying a Brahminical quality. And all devotees are expected to display Brahminical qualities, even though they may be acting externally in other Varnas. And we're not, we're not going to touch on Varnashram today, but just simply to note uh, that, that fact. So he's being very truthful, non-duplicitous. And what is this truthfulness? Now he had two different truthfulness. One was that he was going to serve Sukaracharya. He did say that to Sukaracharya earlier in this story. I'm correct about that, right? He said, I'm going to follow your instructions. The Sukaracharya had given him instructions how to attain the heavenly planets, how to become, as mentioned here, Asura Indra the chief of the Asuras, and how to keep the heavenly planets. And he had followed Sukracharya's instructions. Indeed, it was his loyalty to Sukracharya which enabled him to become more powerful than the Sura Indra who had offended Brihaspati. That's, that's the backstory here. That Brahaspati had entered Indra's assembly, Indra hadn't even acknowledged him, and Brahaspati left and couldn't be found. Brahaspati had given Indra a garland, and Indra had given it to his elephant, and the elephant, just being an elephant, threw it on the ground and stepped on it. Right? And Bali, on the other hand, had respected his guru. He had followed his guru. He had been loyal to his guru. And it was for that reason, as Lord Vishnu told Aditi, that Bali had conquered and Indra had been finished. Now, of course, there's a little transcendental rasa going on here, which is that Lord Vishnu told Aditi, I'm going to engineer things so that Bali will disregard his guru. Because the way the Lord works the vast majority of the time is that he respects his own rules. Rupa Goswami explains this with the Lord's quality of dependable that even the demons know that if they follow the rules they can depend on the Lord. The vast majority of the time the Lord does not engage in what we call nepotism. Nepotism means when you give someone a position or something because they're your friend, you like them, even though other people are more qualified. Krishna doesn't generally do that. He puts people in positions, he gives people their uh, responsibilities and their benefits according to their qualifications. If you do the right karma, you follow the right rules, you get the right result, whether you are an atheist or a theist. That's generally how Krishna works. If Krishna didn't work that way, nobody would respect the laws of the universe. So usually he does that. But if some atheistic person or some demoniac person has used the universal laws to gain some advantage which they are now misusing, Krishna will trick them into breaking one of his rules. Which he does, of course, with Hiranyakashipu. So Hiranyakashipu had followed the rules he had gained control of the universe by fair means, but then he was misusing that control of the universe. So the Lord said, okay, we're going to make your son a devotee. We'll have Nara to preach to your son in the womb, make him a devotee, because Vaishnava is higher than good karma. Vaishnava Parad can wipe out your good karma, so don't do it. Please, it's not a very good idea. So even if you have such good karma and you have the blessings of the demigods to rule the universe, Vaishnava can wipe that out. That's another rule. So because Hirani Kachipu committed Vaishnava Parad, therefore, even his blessings from the demigods uh, were superseded. In a similar way, if you get blessings by serving the guru, serving the brahmanas, if you then disrespect the brahmanas, you can lose those blessings. So Vamandeep tricked Bali into disrespecting his guru. Why? Because it was only by disrespecting his guru that Vamandeep would legitimately take away his kingdom and give it back to Indra. Although Chalayasivikramane, he cheated Bali. He didn't just cheat Bali by coming as a little boy, asking for three steps of land and then taking over the universe. He also cheated Bali by putting him in a position where in order to be truthful, he would have to go against his guru. Do you understand that? Because Ramandeva understood that Bali was going to put truthfulness on the highest platform. So much so that he would disrespect his guru and be willing to be cursed by his guru for his truthfulness. So this was the trick of the Lord. Now, the situation externally is that Bali is disobeying his guru, worshipping the Lord and getting praise, which again seems very peculiar. Why would the demigods praise somebody for disobeying their guru, even to worship the Lord? But the internal situation for Bali right now, and this story is progressing, and Bali is progressing. He's, he's progressing in Bhakti in this story. And we one has to be very careful that we don't judge Bali here by what he becomes later. So here he's choosing truthfulness to Vamandev over loyalty to his guru. He's choosing, choosing ethics and truth and morality over loyalty. So even though he told his guru he would follow him, think about this for a minute. Who did his guru have him worship in order to gain the heavenly planets and keep the heavenly planets? they cool. Who, was, who did Sukaracharya engage Bali in worshiping? Who was Bali worshiping? By the order of Sukracharya. The supreme personality of Godhead. <laughs> so his truthfulness to Sukracharya was also being maintained here. You told me to worship the Lord. I'm worshiping. You're telling me now, this is the Lord, come in disguise. So I'm I'm doing what you told me. But it's still, Bali is still here on a somewhat egotistical, mundane platform. He's choosing that I am a truthful person. I keep my promises. I promise this little boy I give him three steps of land, so no matter who he is, and if he is Vishnu, you told me to worship Vishnu anyway, I'm going to keep my truthfulness Even if it means I get cursed. So he is attempting here to choose a higher dharma over a lower dharma. That's his attempt here. But even his so called higher dharma is not the highest dharma. That will come later. Later, he's going to be challenged to choose something even higher than that. Now, this quality of choosing truth and ethics and morality over loyalty is a rare thing in the modern world. It's it's a very rare thing. And Vali Maharaj is a, a, ostensibly, he's acting as a Satriya's government. And this is certainly a rare quality to see in modern governments. It's it's very unusual to see this. In fact, it's an unusual thing even to see in the modern Brahmanas. So in the, you know, the modern so-called Brahmanas, the intellectuals, the scientists, the philosophers they generally choose loyalty to their university and to their sponsors and their grants, etc., over truth and ethics. Isn't that a fact? Mm -hmm. And it's a big problem in the world today. It's really a big problem. Uh, One devotee and I, uh, named Rukmini, not Anutimus Rukmini, uh, Dr. Uchira So she and I are working on a book on Varna Dharma for the general... Public And one of the quotes she was sharing with me yesterday was about how journalists should be very careful not to mix journalism with advertising. And I said, well, that just seems intuitive. You know, we're, we're trying to show the distinction between uh, the Brahmin varna and the Vaishya varna, that it shouldn't be mixed. But she said, well, the fact is that many people are saying it's not a problem to mix it. The journalists should be able to mix advertising in with their articles without being transparent about it. You know, oh, this is a wonderful new medicine, but I'm being paid by the drug company that made it. No, you don't have to say that anymore. You you don't have to be transparent. You can mix it. Why do we need this wall? You know, formerly there was, they called the wall of China between advertising and journalism, and now they're saying, eh, it's not so important. (coughs) Not so important. It's better to be loyal to the people who pay you than to tell the truth. So this is becoming increasingly increasingly a, a, a scarce commodity. Mark Twain is famous for saying, truth is very valuable, so don't use it very often. And that's what's become, hap- it's happened in the modern world. So folly's being praised for choos- choosing to be truthful in his vow to vominde over obedience to a worldly authority. Okay, but one can go higher than this. There's a higher dharma. So one can choose love for God over not only obedience to worldly authority, but also even over truth, ethics, and morality. Now, of course, that step is very confusing. Isn't it? I mean, both these steps are very confusing because generally we should follow our worldly authority, isn't it? I mean there would be chaos. If children are disobedient to their parents and wives, to their husbands and citizens, to their governments, and if all the devotees here rebelled against their temple president and GBC. I mean, I mean it would be not that they're worldly authorities, but you know what I'm saying. If we rebelled against our authorities, there's just complete chaos. Isn't it? Is that neutral?
1: Maybe the one of the vice versa.
0: what should the authorities take care of their subordinates? Well, that's what's implied here: is that Sukhrajaria stopped taking care of his subordinate. But generally, I mean, I was in Antwerp a couple days ago, and there was this twenty-seven-year-old uh, man from Bangladesh, and he was saying that his mother was really upset that he was associated with this She said he's a, she's a Hindu. You know, and she worships everybody. I said, who's on her altar? He said, everybody. Oh, I said, oh, the grocery store market is altar. You have a grocery store on your altar. Everything's there. Big supermarket. He said, but she's just furious that I'm part of gun. And she says that if I come home and if I'm part of gun, she'll lock me out of the house. And he says, you know, where I'm from in Bangladesh, you have to follow your parents, whether they're right or wrong, it doesn't matter or else your whole community will renounce you. Then he starts talking about his mother. And he was saying, my mother beat me every day. And she was so strict that I could never leave the house. I could go to school and home. He said, one time only I went into the local village in my whole life. But still, even though this woman is beating her child every day, he's in a community that says if you don't follow your mother nobody will talk to you anymore so I, I think that we in, in western countries you know we, we really don't relate to this sort of thing at all this concept that you should I mean he was really upset about this not about his mother beating him he wasn't upset about that at all he was upset about the idea that being in Iskon might upset his mother who had beaten him every day So, again, for us in a Western country, we're just like, what? Who cares what your mother thinks? She beats you every day. Just do whatever you want. You know, and my tendency was to say to him, why do you have to listen to a mother like that? Just do whatever you want. But I knew that if I said that, he wouldn't even be able to process it. And in fact, if I said something like that, he would definitely not have anything to do with this kind anymore. So we may have a little bit of a hard time in the West understanding this concept of being loyal to your worldly authorities, no matter how they behave. It's, it's not part of our culture anymore, which is probably a very good thing. But anyway, it's not part of our culture anymore. But it wasn't that long ago that it was part of all the world's cultures. That being disloyal to your ordinary authorities was just it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. And you had to follow your ordinary authorities no matter what. And to choose something higher than that was, was outrageous. You know, it was, it was a complete social shame. I mean, when we read about the gopis who didn't follow their husbands and their parents, and we just think, yeah, okay. <laughs> I did that too. I left my parents and joined ISKCON. Big deal, you know. But it was really a big deal, it was, it was a huge thing. To be disobedient to your worldly authority for the sake of some higher principle. But of course, we also have some acceptance of that in modern society. I'm thinking uh, with this particularly about the Nazis. You know, in the Nuremberg trials, the Nazis' main defense was we followed our authority,
1: right?
0: That was what we were told to do. And the rest of the world said, no. If you're told to do something immoral, if you're told to do something criminal, if you're told to do something illegal, it's your duty to disobey. It's your duty to have civil disobedience. Even if it means you're jailed for it. Even if it means you're cursed for it. So we also glorify that. Nelson Mandela, who spent 27 years in jail. I mean, he really did spend 27 years in jail. It's not that there's no consequences. It's not the disobedience to your ordinary authority that the demigods just praise you and there's no consequences. In fact, Bobby Marsh has consequences for this. He does. He loses his kingdom. He really does. The curse of his guru is effective. He even gets arrested by Vamandeva, although that's another thing. but to be willing to disobey one's worldly authorities for a higher cause is not something that should be done lightly. You know, I think in the modern, in our modern society in the Western world, we take this very lightly. Oh, great! Bali Mars didn't listen to his guru. I don't have to listen to anybody. I can do whatever I want. I don't have to listen to my husband. I don't have to listen to my parents. I don't have to listen to my teachers. I don't have to listen to my temple authorities. They're all, you know, I know better. So it has to be done under some circumstances but one must be willing to suffer the ordinary consequences of doing it also. It's not such a simple thing. But then as we said there's something even higher than that. Just like Prabhupada compares Dasaratha to Vasudeva. So Dasarath made a promise to his wife and he kept it even though that meant that Ram was banished to the forest. Vasudeva kept a promise to Kamsa, but he broke it. Now, of course, there's another factor there, because Ram, Dasaras was hoping that Ram would say, you know, yeah, you can break it, and he didn't. Whereas Krishna actually told Vasudeva, take me across the river. Which is a little something like what's going on here, that Vamandeva is accepting his offering. Vamandeva isn't saying, no, 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 I won't accept your offering because you've displeased your guru. He said, yeah, sure, you can displease your guru and I'll accept your offering anyway. But Vasudev chose love even over arjavam, even over brahminical qualities, even over truthfulness. And we find that many great devotees ultimately choose love even over the higher aspects of Krishna's law. So the lower aspect of Krishna's law is follow your authorities. The higher aspect of Krishna's law is you better be moral and ethical even if your authorities aren't and even if it means you have to disobey your authorities. But the higher law is have love even if it means you're not moral and ethical and truthful by worldly estimation. And of course the prime example of that are the gopis themselves who are not moral and ethical by worldly estimation. And there's no way around it. There's no way you can say that by a worldly estimation they're moral and ethical. They're not. You know, the wives of the brahmanas who left their husbands, the the cows who ran down Govardhan Hill to see Krishna, even though the cowherd men, who are all pure devotees, were trying to keep them there. So, there are so many examples. All right, so what should we do What, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to get out of this story? Well, first of all, that generally speaking, Krishna wants us to be respectful and obedient to our ordinary authorities in this world. He gives that as one of the austerities in the mode of goodness. Being respectful to your mother and father, for example. He wants that. Generally, that's what Krishna wants us to do. And we, as devotees, or for myself, aspiring to someday be the devotee of a devotee of a devotee. So if we want to please Krishna, we should generally do that. But to do that to please Krishna, why was Bali being obedient to his guru for so long? Was that to please Krishna? No. No, it wasn't. It was to gain some power and wealth and prestige. So we should be obedient to our authorities to please Krishna. Krishna wants me to please my husband. Krishna wants me to please my temple commander. Krishna wants me to please my mother and father. Krishna wants me to follow the laws of the government. Otherwise everything is chaotic. But my purpose is to please Krishna. I give the example all the time. I'm talking to one person, but I'm really trying to impress someone else. Yeah, we've all done that. So whoever I'm dealing with, it should be, is Krishna smiling? Is he pleased with how I'm dealing with this person? But if our authorities ask us to do something that's morally wrong, ethically wrong, legally wrong, spiritually wrong, then Krishna is pleased if we follow those higher principles. If our authorities telling us to lie and cheat and steal and rape and kill and then we don't follow our immediate authority. We have to go to a higher level of dharma. And even if you're Bhijma, if you follow a lower level of dharma, you will die on the battlefield. But we should also know that even if our motive is to please Krishna, when we go to a higher level of dharma, there may be some consequence. By the way, why do you think that there's a consequence why do you think there may be some, something one has to suffer when one chooses a higher level over a lower level, even for the sake of pleasing Krishna and even though it's a higher level?
1: Because um, you should take responsibility um, for our action and to, um, to make, um, how to say English, to make no differences but. Um, thank
0: you really taking it seriously yeah. yeah I mean if there weren't any consequences then people would just disobey their authorities all the time saying it was for a higher principle wouldn't they because none of us want to obey our authorities that's why we're in the material world we're rebellious so if there were no consequences yeah, right means isn't it means,
1: adjust, adjust, means are adjusted to the goal
0: yes yes exactly so it, it sets an example for people in general that they're going to say, hey, wait a minute, before I'm going to leave a lower principle for a higher, I, I have to really know what I'm doing and be willing to accept some consequences. Yes? It also makes it more valuable. I mean, if it's, it's that easy to do, then it doesn't, you know, if it would have been that easy for, for body marriage, then you wouldn't, wouldn't have been in the body. Yes. 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 So it, it gives a, a caution to people who are going to give up lower principles capriciously, whimsically, for their own sense gratification. And it shows that you're actually committed to your action, that you're really, you really are working for a higher principle. If you're really working for a higher principle, you should be willing to go through some sacrifice for it. Yeah? It makes you
1: think twice, is it actually higher or not?
0: yes. Yes. You're not just going to say, oh, I don't have to listen to my authority because Bali didn't. Nothing will happen to me. I'll just get showers of flowers. You may get showers of flowers, but you may get arrested also. You may lose your kingdom also. And at the next level, where one gives up even ordinary truthfulness and ordinary ethics and ordinary morality in full surrender... There's a story, of course, of Gadadhar Pandit who had taken a vow to Gopinath to stay in Jagannath Puri. And he followed Mahaprabhu. And Mahaprabhu says, no, I don't want my devotees breaking their vow. It's not nice. Keep your vow. He said, okay, I'll travel separately so you don't have to see me. You don't have to acknowledge that I'm in your party. And then he would meet them. And finally Mahaprabhu said, okay, you've gone far enough that you've broken your vow. Now you can go back. (laughs) You know, or Saurabhava Bhattacharya who gets up and eats prasadam in bed without having taken a bath or anything. So that's even a higher platform. Babishan who gives up his loyalty to Ravana takes shelter of the enemy but there's also consequences for that you know most of us who joined ISKCON were, we had some consequences from our family and society for doing that didn't we it wasn't without consequences some of us had consequences in our education in our career and so many things it wasn't without cost So surrender has some cost. Of course, ultimately the cost is very small compared to what you get. So we have, you know, there's ordinary Varnashram Dharma, which is what Bali is actually giving up. Um, He's giving up ordinary Varnashram Dharma for a higher concept of universal Dharma. And ultimately one should give up even the universal Dharma, Sarva Dharma and Pritchat, for Sanatana Dharma. And you can say, "Well, maybe you're talking about consequences." But Krishna says, "Aham Don't worry that you'll have to suffer for doing this. And what does that mean? It means that the devotee actually doesn't suffer the consequences. Like, like uh, Bhakti Nod said, "That all these troubles in your service I take as great pleasure. These sacrifices, the difficulties that are involved." by giving up the lower for the higher. The devotee takes this very relishable. I'm actually giving something to my Lord. I'm doing something for my Lord. Now, one indication that Bali has done the right thing is that the great personalities in the universe are praising him. And so this is also... There's actually two main indicators, one subjective, one objective. The subjective indicator is that he's very happy, he's very joyful... He's not doing this out of bitterness and anger and malice and criticism. He's acting out of joy. There's joy in the demigods. We have the word twice used for joy. And the objective indicator is that he's pleasing all these great personalities in the universe. And he's pleasing Vamadev who's accepting his offer. So ultimately these need to be our indicators when we give up the lower dharma for the higher dharma which we are enjoined to do. We are enjoined to follow the lower dharma to please the Lord in ordinary life and when that cannot be done to please the Lord when we cannot please the Lord by following the lower dharma we are enjoined to give up the lower for the higher. And the, the indicators that we're doing the right thing when we do that is that we are filled with joy and we get the blessings from the devotees, from the Vaishnavas. So this is a little difficult topic and questions, comments... Discussions, yes, for <clears throat> I
1: generally... Uh, uh, whenever I've discussed it, kind of sets the opposite. To know that it should cost you something. Um, i give mean, this example. Uh, we had the Arachiatra once in New job in the Kadeshi, which actually happened two weeks ago in London. So, in the Kalashii normally, quite a few would fast... Near gel. But when the body is was saying, ah, what's this the near jelly calcium preach? the higher, it's, it's bigger. And then he took out a cup of water and then choked the next ten minutes with that cup of the water. And his <laughs> um, son happened to be there who happened there, like, right ah, say, see, see. So I said, of course in this one, we have a tendency we, sh- we have a tendency toward to prematurely think something Yes. Higher. So I said, well, my understanding is that, okay, we should always be looking towards the higher and we should understand that there's usually a the higher drama to be honored. But if we're neglecting the lower drama, it should hurt. We should feel bad about it. I have to do it, but I don't like doing that because the example it says, and I need that because I'm a neophyte, but yet I have to honor the higher drama here. So I took it as a way to extension to see, am I doing the right thing? It should hurt me a little bit, to neglect. Not that, great, really,
0: I, I don't have to do that. that yes, not, not that, like Prabhupada said, Arjuna was skillfully using Krishna consciousness as, as an excuse to avoid Krishna consciousness. Mm. <laughs> you know, So we're, if, if we're just like, oh, wow, I don't have to follow any lower dharmas. Oh, I always wanted to be a criminal. <laughs> Now I have permission to do in the name of God whatever I like. So that's the problem. You know, yeah, that premature, you know, or yes, I'm a prema bhakta and I can do whatever I like, you know. And and this goes on. Yes, I'm experiencing the higher levels of bhakti, so I don't have to follow any of the regular principles anymore. I can smoke marijuana while I chant, I can Embrace my girlfriend on a video while I chat. This is going on, by the way. We're not speaking... Oh, yeah, nobody would do that. People do that. And people who claim to be associated with Shiva Prabhupada do that. They do do that. So, that, yes, it shouldn't be like that. At the same time, we have to be willing to give up the lower dharma for the higher dharma when it's required. But there's going to be, yeah, there's going to be some, some sacrifice involved. There's going to be some difficulty. It shouldn't be like, yes, I'm <laughs> finally freezing the lower dharmas. <laughs> that's not the mood of the devotees, yes. It's, it's with, with regret. Why do I have to go? Of course, sometimes the devotees are in so much ecstasy that they're not even aware. <laughs> but that's another, that's not my platform anymore. Yes? To obey parents. Um, and one of how not to. And how not mm-hmm. to, be yeah. Um, when Sitar and Sitar- Ram Sitar- went to the forest, when Mother was saying um, that they need to go,
1: and um, like and they obey also, um, uh, they follow the um, Dharma. S-
0: yes. S- S- but not Bharat. Yeah, there's a list given often you know Bali disobeyed his guru Bharat disobeyed his mother you know the, the, the Yajna disobeyed their husbands so there's this list of people who Pralad disobeyed his father of great devotees who didn't follow but yet Bharat didn't obey his mother his mother said I've done all this for you take the kingdom and he said no I'm not taking it he ref- absolutely refused he said I am not taking the kingdom You can order me all you want. And he renounced his mother. He renounced. He said, you're not my mother. And he went to Ram in the forest. He said, I'm not taking the kingdom. And Ram said, you have to. That was our fight. He said, I don't care. Father, mother, whatever. I don't care. I'm not taking the kingdom. They finally reached a compromise that, okay, Ram will be the official king, but Bart will rule as his representative with Ram's shoes. But that wasn't the, the, that wasn't the thing that Dasarath agreed to. What Dasarath agreed to was that Bar would be the actual king. But he wouldn't accept it. I'm not following my mother. So you see both things. And, and Babishan with Ravana is interesting. When we used to do the drama of the Ramayana, that was my favorite part. When, when Ravana banishes Babishan and you know he's, he, Robin is demanding loyalty 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 and Babishan's like no he said I'll be loyal to you but you've got to do the right thing you've got to give back this man's wife what are you doing she doesn't even want you you're kidnapping this man's wife against your will give her back you're, you're endangering the whole kingdom for what for a lust you can't even satisfy just give her back stop it and Robin is like, you disloyal. Get out of here. And Babishan leaves. prophet says he basically took sannyas. I mean, of course, later he became the king and went back to his family, so it wasn't actually. But he was, in his mind, he was willing to take sannyas, to give up his kingdom, to give up his royal position. He left his family, everything. And then when he goes to Ram, he wasn't immediately accepted either. The devotees didn't accept him. It was a thing. Again, there was some consequence. You understand? There was a consequence. He came there and they said, hey, if he disloyal to his brother at a time of, of difficulty, how can we trust anybody who's disloyal to his brother? So there was, there was some difficulty that he had to prove himself to Ramachandra. Anyway, so we have those. And then we have Kumbhakarna, who was loyal to his brother. Because Kumbhakarna also said, hey, you know, Ram's a supreme personality. You've got it. You shouldn't be doing this. You're going to lose. But I'll fight for you anyway because I'm a good brother. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Jeeva. Um, you know, uh, what I'm trying to figure out how to deal with this
1: aspect is uh, the the essence of this movement is build up relationships.
0: Yes, Prabhupada says that in Nectar of Instruction.
1: Well, it has yeah. to be something it's a place pretty place peace
0: in a yeah, it's got to be something really serious it, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, it can't just be I have a different opinion mm-hmm. because if it's just I have a different opinion there's no meaning to authority mm-hmm. at all if I say I only obey my authority when I agree with my authority mm-hmm. there's no such thing as authority anymore it doesn't exist authority means I obey my authority even when I don't agree Yes, am I correct? Logically speaking, it has to be like that.
1: But from the perspective of the authorities... It depends how serious they, they it is. They don't want to break all the relations but
0: I just, uh, the, the... Uh, Generally. Generally, one should be... Otherwise, as I kept saying, otherwise everything is chaos. That's true. So generally, it should be like that. It should be something for... It, it, we should think a hundred times, very seriously before we say, oh, I'm following a higher Dharma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there are consequences. It's not, it's not without consequence. It may please the Lord to do that if you're doing it properly, but there will be some consequences. And generally, Krishna does is not pleased by that, but sometimes he is. Mm-hmm. Generally he's not, but sometimes he is. Mm-hmm. And the sometimes are the exceptions, one should be extremely careful. You know, if your authorities are telling you to lie and cheat and steal and kill and Rape and, then please don't follow them. I, but if they're just telling you to do something that you disagree with, then you should follow them. And if you think it's something serious, take it up later. And if you think it's very serious, take it up with their authority. You know, I, I saw something going on in one temple that I was convinced was wrong. And I brought it up to the temple authorities, various authorities over the years, as the authorities changed, which they do in many places <laughs> frequently. Anyways, I brought it up to the frequently changing authorities, and every frequently changing authority basically very politely told me no. And then I went to their authorities. I went to the local GBC who said, you're right, but I can't do anything about it. Okay. And there were several co-GBCs at this place. I went to the other co-GBC. Everyone said, all the GBCs said, you're right, but I'm not going to interfere with the temple presidents. The temple presidents told me I was wrong. And uh, it had already been decided by the whole GBC body. There was already a GBC resolution for what I was... And I was saying that. I was saying, this is Prabhupada's instructions and it's a GBC resolution, which I thought was sufficient. I thought that was enough. It wasn't. So uh, at one point, Virajan Prabhu was, was there in that temple. And I went to him and I was complaining. And I said, you know, this GBC resolution, the local GBCs want this done, but the temple presidents just won't do it. And he said, um, you care too much about this, was the first thing he said to me. He said, you know, that this is not your responsibility. Why do you care so much? I said, well, I do. First he said, just give it up. It's not your responsibility. I said, I can't. He said, well, you're too invested. That's bad. I said, sorry, I, I, there's where I am. And he said, well, you've gone to everybody you can go to. Now talk to Balaram. He Balaram? Why Balaram? He said, well, everybody goes to Radha Sundar's altar. This was in Vrindavan. Now I'm saying where it was. He said that Krishna Balaram is actually Krishna Balaram's temple. He said, so you want to talk to them? I said, okay, but why Balaram? He said, well, he's the older brother.
1: <laughs> I'm like,
0: okay. So I went up to Balaram and I said, my dear Balaram, please fix this. Within a year it was fixed. I, never, I didn't do another thing. So... You know, first go to your immediate authority. Try to settle with them. Your temple commander, head pujari, whatever, head of the restaurant, try to settle with them. If you can't settle with them, then go to the next level of authority. If you can't settle with them, go to the next level. Go to the temple board, whatever. If you can't settle with them, go to the GB, local GBC. If you can't settle with them, you may bring it to the whole GBC body. And if it's still not settled, go to the Lord. Sorry for the Right? He's saying, and he also says So if you really think something is against Dharma, complain to him. Well, you may have to wait. Balaram didn't like jump off the altar with his club and go smashing everybody and fix it that way. I don't know how he fixed it, actually. He never talked to me about it, so I have no idea. You know, and, and you may have to wait. Just like the demigods went to the Lord and they said, there's Kamsa and there's all these demons and and Lord Vishnu says, okay, I'm going to come and take care of it. But he didn't just show up two minutes later. He sent Vasudeva and... Okay, so he sends Vasudeva to be his father. So Vasudev's not going to get married till at least like 20, right? Right? So that's at least 20 years have gone by. Time in the womb, so 21, 25 years. Then he marries Devaki. And that wasn't... I mean, that... Everything didn't immediately get taken care of. There's the voice in the sky, eight children. So eight children is going to take at least eight years. So some like, around 30 years have passed between the time Lord Vishnu says, I'll take care of it. And Krishna appears, and then when Krishna appears, he doesn't just smash and bash Kamsa then. I mean, he could have. He killed soon after that. So It's not like he couldn't have, but he didn't. He waited another 11 or 16 years, depending on which Acharya you follow, so like 41, 45 years later comes is finally killed. Sometimes it may take some time. So if you think your authority is, is off, unless it's something very serious. I mean, here the Lord's right in if the Lord's right in front of you saying worship me and your town president says don't you dare, then just worship the Lord, and don't worry about it.
1: All
0: right? But if it's not something like that or you know, if your your authority is telling you go rob the bank with me or something but it's not something like that better to follow and take it through the proper chain ultimately you can take it to the Lord and then you have to be patient and by the way sometimes we think we're right and we're wrong just as a little aside you know, I don't know if that happens to you but it definitely happens to me but sometimes I'm completely convinced that I'm right and I'm not I was once talking with my youngest son and we were arguing about something I can't remember what it was he said, Mata, are you sure? I said, I'm sure. He asked again, he said, are you sure? Like, I'm sure. He said, are you 100% sure? And I thought, uh-oh.
1: <laughs>
0: I said, well, 98. And I was wrong. I forget what it was. So a little humility is a nice thing, too. Yeah. Mahaprabhu suggests it. So, Krishna says it's the first item of knowledge, so... We highly recommend humility. I know it can be like bitter melon for most of us, but even bitter melon—it's good for your health. (laughs) So a little humility is a nice thing, and and it's—it's wise to say, "Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe my authority is right. Maybe I'm wrong." Better, better instead of going to your authority, going, "You're wrong," you can say, "Uh, "I'm confused." I used to teach my Gurukul students, I said, if you think your teacher, your parents is wrong, you should first have in your mind, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong, and go to them and say, I'm confused. That also saves a lot of embarrassment later if you do happen to be wrong. We've all done that, right? We've been, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right! And then somebody else shows us publicly that we're wrong, we're like... "Mm." That has happened to me on more than one occasion. Anything else? Yes?
1: I was thinking that you, one stage, you said that that's me, I cannot do differently. So I'm right or I'm wrong. So is it like uh, proper consciousness that thinking your own righteousness or your own position or your (coughs) thing? This is my understanding of how Dharma should be applied. That's very how nice. How the authorities should be doing, or how the scriptures should be applied. That's what very nice. Think?
0: This is my understanding of how the scriptures should be applied. Yeah. That's excellent. That's excellent. I one time heard, uh, actually wrote in a letter, in all caps, you know, this is what Krishna says, and that's the only opinion. And I, I was thinking, Prabhu, I didn't say it, but I thought, no, that's your interpretation. It's not that your understanding is necessarily what God meant to say. So, yeah, that's these items of humility are very helpful if we want to get along with each other. If we don't want to get along with each other, then humility is not necessary. <laughs> but if we'd like to have a pleasant society, it really helps to say, this is my understanding of the scripture, this is my understanding of what Prabhupada said. You know, and trying to see the value in someone else's opinion. Trying to find ways that, that we can work together and, and instead of working at, at odds all the time. And always thinking that we are going... Always thinking the other person is a lower platform and I'm a higher platform. <laughs> at the same time, there are times when we really do have to choose a higher platform. Otherwise, these stories wouldn't be here. So sometimes that's also relevant. It's... It's not never relevant. It's unusual. It should be done carefully. We should know that there are consequences for doing it. It's not it's not free. But there are there are times when it needs to be done.
1: It's like with the you know, the assembly of the people, and they cannot decide properly who issues right or not. Yes. Like, and so they did nothing. Yeah, because they could decide according to the scriptures nowadays. it is like,
0: and so they did nothing and, and let Dushashan try to strip her naked because they were so caught in just debating the whole issue. You know, whereas they should have all rushed to her aid. Everybody in that assembly should have gotten up and rushed to her aid and, and tackled Dushasha. That's what they should have done. Instead, they're just, you know, debating in their mind and debating verbally and, oh, I don't know, what's the right Dharma, what, You know. Some lady's clothes are being taken off in front of you. you can sit around and debate about it later. You know, so there's, there are a time when you just yes, but that should be carefully. carefully yes, and then we should be the last one. Yes. I mean, it seems, and I have the impression that this justice is kind of covering. It's a cover. It's like you know, every person is uh, in shield for
1: something which is the most important for us, either to bring something wrong or to something right.
0: because It seems that people accept it as absolute, but the real thing is just the underlying thing
1: that people try to find some way you
0: know, to justify it and then people accept it. Yes. Actually, the real thing is not... not that. Yes. And very often, what you bring up is very often the case that uh, when you when you're dealing with somebody, their, their original justifications and their original arguments are not what's actually going on at all. And I just actually had this experience. You know, I was, I was dealing with someone where we were just completely at loggerheads, and then once I found out what the real issue was, I was like, oh, okay, that's dealable. And, uh, I mean, I've been trained in mediation, and one of the things that you learn is to try to find what's actually going on, what's the underlying issue. I mean, Sukracharya's underlying issue here was what? His pocket money. Hmm? His, pocket money. His pocket money. Yes. Sukracharya was not working on the on the platform of righteousness at all. Or he was just worried about whether or not he'd have something to eat and a place to live. His, hmm? His position. His position. That's right. And Bali wasn't. Bali was willing to do the right thing, even even though it would mean that he would live in poverty and lose the heavenly planets that we had worked so hard for. So you have to come down to the real motive. Of course, it's, it's not always easy to figure out our real motives. We often think we can figure out other people's real motives. That's not so, as easy as we think either. But it's, it's not so easy to figure out our own real motives or other people's. Sometimes that takes time. It takes some patience. I mean, it's one thing you learn in mediation. It takes time. People initially come out with, with their justifications. You follow? It may take a few hours. It may take a few days before you can really get to what's the actual, what are the actual issues going on here. Once you reach the actual issues, resolving things are, is generally very easy. All right, this is a very complicated topic. I don't think we've resolved everything in one class. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.